Welcome back to the podcast. This is Shara, creative and technical director here at Evidence for Faith, and welcome to our Friday study, which is Keep the Fires Burning, where we meet a different minor character every week. And this week we meet Jude. Now this is an easy name. I know how to pronounce this one. (laughs) So as always, let me get into our little advertising here of some of the exciting stuff we have going on at Evidence for Faith, which right now is our 2023 Israel trip. So if you would like to get on Uh, this trip. You can check out the links in the description or click the events tab or go to evidenceforfaith.org slash 2023 Israel. We'll be taking a group of 30 plus people to go visit a bunch of different archaeological sites and cities and places where a lot of biblical history events and characters were. So not only will Michael Lane be teaching on this trip, but we'll also uh, be meeting with Dr. Stephen Notley, who's an archaeologist and scholar down there, who will have a lot of information. If you have any questions about the Bible, biblical history, these are really two good people to talk to. So if you'd like to get on that, check out the links in the description or go to the 2023 Israel page on our website. So as always, this program is supported by listeners just like you. If you'd like to help support this broadcast and keep it free, you can become a donor at evidenceforfaith.org slash give. That's evidence number four faith.org slash give. And with that, here is Michael and keep the fires burning. We are in session four where we're going to meet Jude. Hi, and welcome to Evidence for Faith. It's your host, Michael Lane, and we are continuing in our study here of minor Bible characters, but major lessons that they teach us. Um, these are ways to keep the fires burning in your life, how to how to keep a close relationship with, with God. And as we go into this one and the ways that we're supposed to live our life, today's lesson is taken um, from a an entire book of the Bible. Yeah, minor character. Um, there are a number of these minor characters in the Bible. This one's in the New Testament, and his name is Jude. Yes, the book of Jude. Who wrote the book of Jude? And and um, this guy is absolutely amazing. I, I swear, this book sounds like it was written for today, yet it's over 2,000 years old. But it pertains exactly to what's going on in our culture today. So I just absolutely love this book. Um, I remember doing this one time for my youth group many years ago when I was directing a, um, a youth group at a church, and they want to do a book of the Bible. And I said, what book of the Bible do you want to do? And they said, well, let's do something we really don't know that much about. You know, we everybody always seems to cover, you know, like the Gospels or Ephesians. Let's, let's do something different. And I said, okay, let's do the book of Jude. And they're all like, Jude? Where's that? And I said... It's right before Revelation. It's a little one-chapter book, and we did that over a period of a couple uh, or many weeks, and they just absolutely loved it. They had no idea what was even in it. But I want to concentrate not so much on the book itself, though we will be doing that. I want to concentrate on this character, Jude. So I'm entitling this one, Jude, He Did What God Wanted, Not What He Wanted. Yeah, there's a lesson right there for us. So let's begin. Let me tell you a story here about Chuck Swindoll. I, I love listening to Chuck Swindoll. He's one of my favorite Bible teachers. He tells a story of when he, um, of when he had to fulfill an obligation to the U.S. Marine Corps. It happened just a few years after he and his wife Cynthia were married. He thought that he was to serve his tour of duty in San Francisco, but he was ordered instead to report to Okinawa and leave Cynthia behind for 16 months. 
Well, he speaks of how the both of them wept that night when he got his orders. They both felt upset that his orders had been changed um, and he would be gone for so long, so early in their marriage. As he left, his brother handed him a book called Through the Gates of Splendor. Maybe some of you have heard this book. It's a classic book about five missionaries killed by the Aka Indians in Ecuador. Then when he landed in Okinawa, he eventually met a missionary named Bob Newkirk, who gave Chuck an Amplified Bible. Bob had marked one verse in that Bible, Philippians 3.10, and Chuck read this many times. He also spent days in the home of that missionary. For the first time in his life, Chuck was learning a new way of life. And he found a new love for Christ that began to bloom on that island so far away from home. Even though he didn't want to go, he had to go. And it changed his life. Chuck even began his Christian work on that trip, which he continues to this day. Yes, he started his Christian work on a trip that he didn't want to make. Hmm. So what's the correlation between that and this? Our study on Jude? Well, let's first of all understand who Jude is. Who is Jude? He, well, nearly all scholars and early church fathers believed that this Jude, who wrote this book named after him, um, to be one of the half-brothers of Jesus. We get that idea from the first verse. In Jude 1.1, we read, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Yes, Jesus did have brothers, though they were his stepbrothers, to be technical, because his father was God himself. Matthew and Mark record part of Jesus' family. In Mark chapter 6, verse 3, we read, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and, and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And it took offense at him. Jude is the Greek name for Judas um, or uh, Jehuda, um, that name that we see so commonly in other books of the Bible, uh, which means praise of the Lord. That's what um, Jude or Judas means. It's one of those books of the Bible that most people seem to neglect, though. It's so small. It's only 25 verses long. I love when people tell me I don't have time to read the Bible. 25 verses? The average person can read the book of Jude in less than three minutes. I mean, a commercial break on TV isn't even, is longer than that many times. But anyway, uh, just 25 verses. It's tucked away in the back of the Bible, and people just don't seem to pay much attention to it. Um, But this little book is so important. I mean, think about it for a second. When was the last time you ever heard a sermon based on the book of Jude. It's often neglected. Oh, we'll hear many sermons on the four Gospels. We'll hear sermons taken from Psalms. We'll hear sermons on Ephesians, Colossians, etc., Romans, but hardly ever do we get a sermon, it seems like, from the book of Jude. Now, true, Jude is a small book, but even so, there's a ton of stuff in here, a lot of material. Um, This little book is so important also to our culture today. It would seem, like I said, that Jude was like alive and living today, considering what he wrote, um, giving us the message that he was given by God to give us. And it deals with our culture 
that's going on today. Like I say, it's hard to believe this thing was written over 2,000 years ago, but Jude tells us right off why he wrote this book. Now, of course, he was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. These writers of the books of the Bible just didn't wake up one day and think, oh, I think I'll write a book of the Bible. No, that's not the way these things took place. Um, it's not his undertaking. I mean, he has the motivation to do it, but it's the Holy Spirit that that breathes or or gives the information. We see this in uh, many places of the Bible, classically in 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says that Scripture is God-breathed, God-given to these writers. And then the writers write it in their style, but the information God is giving to them is from God himself. So in his second sentence, though, of this book, he gives us the purpose and the reason for this book. So this is in verse 3. We read, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Hmm. Now, many people might just skim over that verse without that sentence without giving it much thought, but there's an important lesson here for us Christians. You see, Jude wanted to write, as he says, about salvation, like what Matthew, Mark, um, Luke, and John wrote. He wanted to write about that. It was on his heart, and he was eager to write about it. And he even used the term eager, as a matter of fact, as, as he describes this, that he was eager. In the Greek uh, language, this is the, the Greek word uh, spuda, which, which means literally eager with anticipation. He wants to do this. It means diligence. But he chose to follow God's leading instead and wrote this short little essay on a very serious problem. You see, the Gnostics at that time uh, in the first century, were perverting the, the grace of God. They were telling people that because Christ had forgiven them, they were free to sin as they wanted because now their sins would not be held against them because they're saved. How many people have the same impression we have today? Once the, I remember having a, a talk with one of my students back in school when I was teaching in Illinois, who told me that, um, I mean, he was, <laughs> I'm not judging him, I'm just going to tell you what he was like. He was one very misbehaving, misbe- um, mischievous person, filthy mouth, um, just a liar like you wouldn't believe. People, none of the students trusted him. They were sort of afraid of him. Yet he said one day in class that, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And I said, you're a Christian? He goes, yeah. I said, how'd you do, you know, tell me about it. He says, well, I went to a person's church, and I took out a card in there, and I signed the back of the card and put it in the offering plate when it went by, and so I'm a Christian. And he says, now I can go out and do whatever I want because I I have like a fire insurance policy that I don't go to hell, so I can live the way I want. I can do whatever I want now, and that's the way he was living his life. Now, I'm not saying he's not a Christian, but that is, uh, if that's all there is to his life, that you're not saved by writing on a card. I mean, it doesn't say that anywhere in Scripture. And so uh, his, his life was not in um, obedience to what, what God and what Jesus was telling us how it should be. I couldn't see any, any change or any uh, effect of the Holy Spirit inside of this guy. Um, And there are so many others that I've come across that say that because they're Christians, now we can sin and do whatever we want because these sins won't be held against us because of what Christ did. Well, Jude 
Jude is going after this. This was, uh, even though it's very popular today, it was also popular in the first, the latter part of the first century. So in Jude 1, 4, the fourth verse, we read, For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who perverted the grace of our God into sensuality and deny not uh, our, deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So Jude is telling us, hey, you know, they're perverting scripture and stuff. Not only that, get down to verse 7. Look what he writes here. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. <laughs> One thing you got to say about Jude, he, he's calling the color black, black. He's calling the color white, white. Um, he's, he's not being, in other words, he's not trying to be politically correct. That is not him. He, he calls a spade a spade, a diamond a diamond, a club a club. I mean, he, he is saying exactly what is the truth. And let the chips fall where they may, if you will. He's not worried about being politically correct in his society. Um, he's stating that this behavior that he has described, Sodom and Gomorrah, most people know the story, and his readers all knew the story, and he even goes on to define what it was, sexual immorality and uh, pursuing unnatural desires. He's basically calling that uh, that behavior is contrary to a holy God and that he will punish people for that sin. Sound familiar in our society today? Doesn't it? it? It really does. A number of polls. I've been reading a number of polls that show a remarkable trend by Christians from all different type of uh, poll takers here, Pew Research and, and uh, Barnum Polls and, and others. And I've been studying these things, and oh my gosh, um, just give, let me give you some information of what I've seen in some of these recent polls about what um, remarkable trends by Christians living in this country. Now, this is just in the United States, most of these polls. Um, on these polls, over 50% state that homosexuality is not immoral. In another poll, it said it's 67. Now, remember, we're talking the Christian church is saying this. We're not talking about society in general. This this is supposedly the Christian church, 67% in one of the polls. One poll of the Christians uh, now suggests that 62% of people say that sex between an unmarried man and a woman is acceptable. Another poll said that 54% said that having a baby outside of marriage is acceptable. I mean, this goes on and on. As I read these things, my heart is just breaking because this is so so contrary, but I kept, as I'm reading these polls, I kept going back and thinking, the book of Jude. Jude was facing the same thing. And like I say, these are polls from so-called Christians. These results are from Christian organizations. So as I researched and read many blogs and polls, I have found many people proclaiming that they are also born-again Christians, stating that Quote, God is a God of love, and if two people love each other, they can do whatever they want. God wants us to be happy because he loves us, unquote. Oh my gosh, how many times I have heard that from high school and college students and 
as well adults that constantly tell me when I um, when they come and they ask me questions and stuff about their behavior and about their life and stuff, and I point out, well, you know, what you're talking about is actually, you know, God calls a sin, um, or God says you shouldn't be doing this, and they're like, well, God just wants me to be happy. God's a God of love. Well, we're seeing this today, but Jude was also seeing this. So Jude was not the only Christian facing this type of a worldview. Um, this is with us today. And the world that he lived in, wow, we're seeing the same thing. That world that he lived in with its Greek influence of immorality and sensuality, still going on to this day. It really is. I mean, just watch a TV show. Watch the news. I mean, you constantly hear things on this. And you can see it. It's, it's very, very um, popular in our culture that we have today. Now, Jude didn't want to write, remember, going back. He didn't want to write about this hot topic. This wasn't his choice of writing. Um, it was controversial then. It's controversial in the church back then, as it is just as much today in some cases. He wanted to write about happy and joyful experiences of salvation. That's what he wanted to write about, the joy of salvation, uh, the relief um, of burdens from sal- with salvation. He wanted to write about that type of thing. But I'm so glad he surrendered to the Holy Spirit's leading. He concludes by giving us a warning that sounds as strong today as it must have been back in the first century. Look what he writes in verse 17 through 19. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause division Worldly people devoid of the Spirit. That's a strong statement. I have to admire this man. This view is no doubt just as unpopular with the public back then as it is today. But but he leaves us with a challenge that we all need to follow. Look at verse 20 through 23. It reads, But you, beloved, build yourselves up in the most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. So what is our faith lesson from Jude? What can we learn from this minor character? Well, it's really simple, actually. Times are going to come when you will want to remain quiet on a subject or to talk on something that, uh, in a way that will be more politically correct so that no one is going to be offended by you and what you say. Well, Jude could have done the same thing. The gospel is offensive. It really is. To sinners, it is offensive. It calls what we do sin. I mean, we are sinners. Jude could have written a wonderful letter on salvation, but no, he chose to follow what the Holy Spirit was urging him to do, to write on something that was going to be very unpopular with many people, but it needed to be said. He chose to follow God's leading, not on his own. We too should always follow God's leading wherever it takes us and not be milk toast on hot issues. I remember my late mother-in-law 
um, telling a story one time when she went to a beauty parlor. And while she was there, um, someone asked her a question about her faith and asked her what she believed. And if she believed this certain type of behavior um, that a person was, was talking to her, describing this behavior, if this was a sin and wanted to know her opinion. My mother-in-law, in her wisdom there, uh, quickly said, now, what I'm going to say, if you really want me to answer, I will, but I'm just going to let you know that what I say is going to come from God, but it might be offensive to you. Do you really want to hear it? And they said yes, and so she did. She quoted scripture to them. And uh, the person did respect her through this, because um, they asked for it, didn't get into a debate or anything. She wanted the opinion of this godly woman, and and Joyce, my mother-in-law, gave her right from God's writing himself, from what God breathed. She told him, or told this person, what he, God, said. Yeah. I mean, that's what this is all about. That's this book of Jude, too. Let me conclude by telling you a story that happened to me back in the lab when I was teaching in Illinois years ago. I had a student, we'll call her Jenny just for fun. I just to throw a name in there. I don't remember her name, actually, but I'm just making this one up. So Jenny was sitting in my lecture side of my room, writing in her lab journal uh, the protocols she had just followed in class. It was a time when students often spoke on hot topics and whatever was on their mind as they're sitting there just writing into their journals the steps that they had done and um, setting up their labs. And I think it was a microbiology course or a biotechnology course. Anyway, someone in the room, someone in the room, asked me about the youth group that I led at my church in town. And I, I answered them the questions that they were asking about my youth group. Then Jenny commented to me, you know, I go to church and attend a youth group. And I told her, yeah, I, I already knew that. Yeah, I know that, Jenny. And then um, she said to me, I would never go to your church or your youth group. When I asked her why, she told me, because you're so judgmental on people. I really don't like that about you. Hmm. I was puzzled, and I asked her, please go on. And she said that she heard that I had said that homosexuality and premarital sex were sins. She continued to say that I had no right to say such things were sins. After all, how did I know that they were sins today? Well, I waited for a moment. Uh, to see how the rest of the class was responding to this attack. And I remember being amazed at how many students were sitting there with their mouths just agape, uh, staring at me. So I responded by saying that I believe, this is how I respond to her, I said, you know, Jenny, I believe lying is a sin. I believe that stealing is a sin, no matter what you steal. I believe that cursing, using God's name, is a sin. I believe that murder is a sin even to the point of even planning a murder, not just carrying it out. I said, I believe that even looking at someone and thinking sexual fantasies about that person was a sin. Then I paused again before continuing to let that sink in to see how Jenny and the rest of the class were responding. No comments were made by anyone. Then I said that it is true that I believe homosexuality is a sin, as is premarital sex. But then I told them, I'm not the one who made up these laws. God is the one who says them. And because he says them, I believe them. I said, if you got a problem with this, your problem's not with me. The problem is between you and God. And I said, I can see why someone would call me judgmental. But to be honest, I too have sinned. 
and I need God to forgive me, which he has done. I have asked him for this, and he helped me. He helps me not to sin again. Now, I still sin. I still mess up. But I don't try to justify my sins. Instead, I pray to God to help me not to do them again. This is what Jesus taught. This is called repentance, to change the direction, to change your thinking, to change the way you're, you're living your life. And God puts his Holy Spirit inside of us when we become Christians to help us do this. You know, this is what I told them. This was Jesus' message to sinners, was to repent, to turn to God for salvation. Then I quoted a verse I just absolutely love, 1 Peter 1.16. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So I told Jenny that if I seem judgmental to her, it's because I am quoting God, who is the judge and knows what is right from wrong. He's the standard. I am not judging people because I make mistakes too. And there, but there's a difference. When I know I sin, I try everything not to do that sin again. And I pray, help me, God, not to do this again. Help me to straighten out my path. I don't keep doing it, and I don't keep flaunting it, flaunting God, uh, breaking God's commands. You know, some people try to justify their sins or say that they're not sitting or that society says it's okay. But I choose God over society. Society can say whatever it wants and constantly keeps changing with culture. But that doesn't make it right. What God says is right, and that's what I believe is true. His laws are based upon his character, not what changing culture says. So that's our lesson on Jude. Jude wasn't afraid to say the truth. How many times I have been reluctant sometimes when someone asks me a point-blank question because I don't want to offend them? Well, we need to be more like Jude. Not blatantly, but being, as he said, do this with mercy and love. Not standing up and beating someone over their head over the head with our Bible. No. That is not the case. Jesus handled people, in most cases, with with great mercy, which he still does today. Because of our sins, we deserve eternal punishment, but because we can accept him, he can forgive us of our sins, puts the spirit inside of us, and we go through a change when we repent. Jesus said to the people, repent. The apostles said, repent. That's the message. True, God is a God of love, but he's a God that wants us to repent and turn to him. Lord, I thank you for this time that we have. And as we've gone through this book and this character in this short period of time, this wonderful character, Jude. And it does amaze me. It seems like, even though this was written over 2,000 years ago, how pertinent it is to our society today. So help us to re- remain strong in you and to show mercy As the old saying, Lord, please remind us is to love the sinner, hate the sin. Um, Show mercy to them. Show love to them. That's what we should do. But Lord, not to compromise our beliefs or what you say, just because it's not popular. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hope you've enjoyed this lesson on Jude, and we'll continue to follow in our upcoming lessons on minor characters and major lessons. And again, we would love to hear from you. Um, you can contact us through Evidence for Faith, and if um, you would uh, like to more information um, about our ministry, please, please let us know. Um, and we thank you for joining, and until we meet again, take care, and God bless. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you to our donors who make this program possible. Evidence for Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry based in the USA. You can support this broadcast by donating online using the links in the description. And don't forget to leave us a comment, a review, likes, and shares to feed the algorithm and help others find this content. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.